everyone. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, what's up? I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And uh, let us just start by saying Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. Human moms, cat moms, dog moms, you know, all of the moms. <laughs> Every single mom. And we're at whatever stage you're at, we love our moms. We appreciate moms out there and um, we support you. Those of you who don't have moms, who want to be moms, wherever you're at in your mom journey. Thank you for being here. Yeah. And we decided with our Mother's Day episode to ask our moms what their favorite books were. We thought it was the most appropriate way to honor their legacy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What they bestowed upon us. So Julia, what is your mom's favorite book? Uh, well, let me tell you, it's not what I was expecting it to be. Oh, no? Uh, no. My mom's favorite book is The Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett or Follett. I don't know how to say his last name. You know, I have never even heard of this book. Really? Really? Is it? Maybe I've been living under a rock. I don't think you have. I mean, so this book was published in 1989. So it, it's a bit older and it's also 973 pages long. That is a joke. So, <laughs> it's intense. And I was, when I asked my mom, I was thinking she was going to pick like a 200 page book where it's just like, okay, that's kind of easy to read. And she's like, oh no, I love Pillars of the Earth. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay, great. Thanks, mom. And she had no idea that she sent me on a three-week reading journey for this this thousand-page book. Like, no idea whatsoever. I told her later, and she was like, oh my gosh, if you told me that, I would have picked a different one. I was like, no, mom, this is your favorite book, not your favorite short book. Right. No, you needed to know the truth. Exactly. Oh, but I had no idea. Oh my goodness. Okay. So how did your mom come across this book? What makes it a favorite for her? So... uh, Oh gosh, I don't remember what grade I was in, but I was in high school and I had actually taken this book out of the library and was going to read it myself, I think. But at that point, like my mom also had, I think it was like neck surgery or something where she, she had to be like in bed for a couple of weeks just recovering. And she picked up the book with before I even read it. And she read it and she said that it was her favorite. She's read it like five times at this point, which I think is the most she's read any fictional book. Wait, she has read a 1000 page book five times. Yeah, that's what she told me. Okay. That is so impressive. It's intense, but it's a favorite because it's all about like the building of cathedrals in medieval Europe. Okay. Yeah. And so it, it kind of like brings, it's definitely historical fiction. Kingsbridge uh, Cathedral is not a real place, but it's based on real cathedrals in different parts of England. And so the way that the narrative works in bringing um, how they build them is really smooth. And it's really, really cool in that aspect. And I was like, oh, yeah, I see why my mom likes this book, specifically because it talks about building stuff. (laughs) 
Is it a historical fiction? Would yes. you say? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I went back and like, not really went back, but as I was reading it, I Googled at one point just the time period because having done a solid amount of Shakespeare, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is anywhere near like the War of the Roses, which is like Henry VI. Yeah, Henry VI and like that sort of scrabbling for the kingdom. This one, Henry VI is actually like a descendant of the family scrabbling for the kingdom in this book. Okay, interesting. So it's like way before the the time that I know. Okay, cool. Um, mm-hmm. So then maybe we should back it up. Yeah. Um, do you want to give us a summary? Um, actually, I asked my mom to do a summary for us. So here she is. Um, the Pillars of the Earth was about a family that goes to the trials of life in the 1100s. It showed the interaction of religion and government and how the church had so much power in the everyday lives of people during that time. Um, it also gave extreme detail in the political process of building and designing cathedrals, um, Gothic cathedrals during that time frame, and all of the artists and the sculptors and the builders, all of their feelings while creating and building them. I get a couple books for my mom because she's just on bed rest and you told her, you know, what I kind of liked. And between the two of you, you came up with this one. Okay, cool. Because I literally was like, did I want to read this in high school? (laughs) Could have, but I didn't. (laughs) No, I think you checked it out for me specifically. Nice. Good memory. And it was a good one. It was one of, you know, obviously still my favorite. And I've read it a few times. Have you read any of the other ones? This is a series, isn't it? Um, it can be considered a series. Um, and I think they did a movie on the Pillars of the Earth and then the series after that. I did read uh, one more. I don't remember the name of it. And it really went more into Jack and... um his wife, Aliana. Yes. Into their lives. And then, you know, the take on their kids and things like that. So, um, and that was very cool, but it, it definitely didn't focus as much on the building aspect. It was more political process. Mm -hmm. And you're more interested in the building part of it. Uh, Of course I was. (laughs) Can you tell us why? Well, um, I, I guess because I went into architecture when I was very young in high school and thought I was going to stay in that field. Um, it didn't go on to get my architecture degree, but then I actually became a teacher of it. Um, so I teach architecture and engineering and kind of robotics and coding and all that fun STEM stuff at the high school level. So it has always had a very um, nice place in my heart. Awesome. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing your favorite book. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited that you doing this. It's been fun to listen to and watch you create these. Oh, well, thanks, mom. No problem. So, and um, shout out to Julia's mom. Thank Thanks, you Mom. for that awesome summary. It's perfect. You <laughs> shouldn't have been nervous whatsoever. 
no, no, you were great. Like better than me. Maybe you should take over my job. (laughs) I don't know that she'll want to do that, but. (laughs) Okay. That's fine. I like my job anyway. That's fair. Yeah. I asked her to do it just so I didn't have to do a summary. So that makes, that makes sense. Well, do you have any author fun facts? I do. Um, I literally came up with this like right before we started recording, but the author has a cameo in the TV show. Uh, no the way. Of the Earth. Yeah, he does. He He's just a merchant in the show. And literally, I probably wouldn't be able to point him out to you because he's like an old white guy, but sure. but he's in it. He's got a cameo, just like Stephanie Meyer sitting at the counter in Twilight. That's right. Or Stan Lee. Mm hmm. That one's Every a better one. Movie. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to take us to a rabbit hole, a, a small one. That's like a dream, right? If I become like a famous author where my books get turned into like movies or TV shows, I want to have like a tiny little cameo. Absolutely. Like I think it's a wasted opportunity if authors don't get to be somewhere in their like film or TV adapted universe. I absolutely agree. Like this is your time to shine Mm -hmm. and everybody wants to see you. You thought it was your time to shine when you were writing this famous book. That's now a TV show, but no, No. it's actually being on the TV show. You playing customer number seven. This is your time to shine. That's peak goals. Actually, (laughs) like I would want to do that. (laughs) Me too. It's like fulfilling all of my dreams as an author and as an actor, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. all I want. Customer yeah. number seven, barista number two. <laughs> I want one where it's like, if I was waiting in line at the deli, I get to be the really pissy one. That's like, what is taking so long? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And then like one of the main characters gets to just give the side eye and keep moving or something. I see this for you. Thank you. Thank you. Now I just have to write a book. Okay, so write your book, get cast in the movie version. Perfect. I mean, you're like 5% of the way there. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, I am writing a book, but it it's on pause because I lost steam. But I'll pick it back up, you know, eventually. It is hard to write a book. So the fact that you're even getting out there, getting ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron Morgenstern is like the inspiration for that. So with... NaNoWriMo or what do you mean? When I was at the the interview with her in Seattle, wherever, um, she just, she talked about how she uses this free program or like this program that's really cool. So I downloaded the program and it is very cool. I like it a lot. And then just like reading her bio in her website. She's like, yeah, I don't have a master's. I don't have any sort of degree in writing. I just decided to write. And I was like, yes, thank you. I don't have a degree in writing, but I do want to write. And so then it's just like, you can do it. Yeah, literally you can do it. Absolutely. I think, you know, depending what you want to write about, it's even less about being a writer and more about being a storyteller. Like if you understand the human existence and you have a creative idea, you can write something or create something. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing it just to be published. Like do it for you. Absolutely. Don't, 
don't like force yourself to have an end goal. If you have an idea that needs to get out, get it out. And then if it gets somewhere, then it does. But if it doesn't, you at least got your idea out. Yeah, definitely. I absolutely agree. Julia, what was your response when your mom told you that this was her favorite book? (laughs) Well, we were texting. So she didn't see my response until I talked to her about it later. But it was really just like an inward groan because I knew how long this book was. And then texting back, okay, with an exclamation point. Thanks. Did you know, other than the length, really anything about this book going into it? Not really. I mean, the cover of it has a a cathedral on it. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that it would, I knew it was historical fiction. And I knew with the cathedral, it was probably like mildly religious and about building. Because like, here, let me show you. This is the cover. Oh, sure. It reminds me of the covers of like Les Mis, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's funny you say that because the drawing on this is actually a drawing of Notre Dame Cathedral. No way. Mm -hmm. Okay. I feel really smart. (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of glad that this kind of forced me to read it because it's one that I've been intending to read sometime in my life. And now I have, well, I have like 83 more pages to go, but I mean, you got the gist. Yeah. (laughs) There can't be that much more that if I didn't get it in the first 890 pages, then I don't know what. Oh my goodness. I remember... (laughs) When I was in um, high school, my AP English class, my senior year, there was a section where we each got to pick our own book to like write a paper on and do a project on. Mm -hmm. And I picked like The Hobbit or something something, like really short. And there were some people that picked like Les Mis, like these 900 page books. Why are you actively torturing yourself? Work smarter, not harder, guys. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) I love a good long book, but not for a project in school. It's too much to try to narrow your thoughts down. Especially, I assume you did a lot of extracurriculars. You seem like that kind of person. I sure did. Yeah. So having a 900 page book on top of extracurriculars is not a good idea. No, on top of being a teenager and maybe having a job. Yeah. Pretty much. Just read The Hobbit, you guys. Life advice from Maggie and Julia. Work smarter, not harder. It's not impressive if you read a 1,000 page book if you can't write the essay on it at the end of the year. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Save the 900 page book for summer when you're at the beach. Exactly. (laughs) Glad we agreed. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay. So do you, or does your mom have a favorite section of the book or maybe Um, a favorite line? So my mom's favorite sections were all literally all of the building parts of it. The book is split into six parts and each part covers a cup, like two or three, I think two or three years. And then it like changes. And then in between each part, there's maybe like a year or two in between. Okay. And so overall it spans like 15 to 20 years of this civil war that's happening in England and also how Kingsbridge Cathedral is being built. 
So like it's gone through a lot of history and iterations and stuff. And that was definitely, I think my mom's favorite part. That's super cool. I think it's a really great concept for a book. Like, yeah, it is. It, it has a lot of like political strife in it, obviously with like the civil war and just fighting for a throne and everything, which gets like really annoying sometimes. Like actually by the end of part two, I had gone into Wikipedia and spoiled most of the book for myself because before I ended part two, I had no idea if this cathedral was going to be funded. Like these characters were going to these people to ask if it was funded and they'd have so many setbacks where it was like, all right, if they're not going to get this funded by the end of part two, I quit this book. Oh my goodness. Obviously they get funded because I continued reading the book, but you had to make sure. Yeah. It was just like, this is anxiety that I don't need. Tell me what's going to happen. So I at least have a general idea because even Wikipedia did not go into the amount of detail this book goes into. I mean, there's no way it could have. It's a 900 page book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, in lieu of Mother's Day, you are just like my mom in that aspect. If we start like a stressful movie or TV show, she will pause it and be like, does it have a happy ending? Like all she wants to know is like, does it end okay? And if the answer is yes, she'll continue. I agree. I mean, I don't want to watch stuff that stresses me out. I, To be fair, I do love superhero movies and that is one where I'm willing to be stressed out. That one is because like the whole point of it is intense action plus other stuff. But with books, like you and I talked in one of the last episodes where it was like, there's no point in reading a book that you don't like or that is just causing you agony to read it. Like, no point. Especially if it's 900 pages. Mm -hmm. You have other things to do. (laughs) I would have fessed up to my mom, though, and told her I didn't finish it. Would it have made her sad? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe she'll hear this and then tell me later. Like, (laughs) yeah, I would have. I would have been a bit disappointed. But no, I don't think it would have bothered her. I mean, she told me at one point a few months ago that she really doesn't actually read that much. Yeah. She's learning that she just doesn't read that much. And so then when I asked her what her favorite book was three weeks ago, she said this one, but I don't think she's read it in a very long time, but I'm sure she's watched the show. Probably. Is it new? Uh, No, I think the show is actually from like... 2010, 2009, 2010. There's a lot of people in it too. Um, First and foremost, Haley Atwell, who I absolutely love. Yeah. And Eddie Redmayne. No, he's in this? Yeah. (gasps) Let me just, let me just give you a small list of the people. Yes. Okay. You're ready. You have a post-it note. I do because I didn't want to have to Google it. So there's Haley Atwell, who is my favorite character in the book, Aliana. There's Eddie Redmayne, who plays the redheaded stepson and like fairly intelligent building character Jack. Matthew McFadden, which... Should I know that guy? You do know that guy. He's Darcy from 2005 Pride and Prejudice. I love that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's playing like one of the other main characters. All of these people are playing a main character, but he's playing like the main monk like he cool. he's the prior of Kingsbridge. There's Donald Sutherland. I love him. I have a really hard time with him after after Hunger Games. That's completely fair. 
I mean, he's a really intense villain, obviously, in The Hunger Games. But then he, like, totally turned it around for me when he was in Knives Out. Oh, that's true. I meant to rewatch that, like, last week and didn't. I'm going to have to do that. But uh, do you know the name Sam Claflin? Of course I do. Number one, Hunger Games. Number two, Me Before You, which I'm talking about later today. Oh, I did. Okay, cool. <laughs> that And then um, the actor Rufus... Sewell, Sewell, Sewell. He is like the jerkish guy in, oh gosh, now I'm forgetting the name of it. It's the one with Kate Winslet, Jack Black, Jude Law, and Cameron Diaz. What? The holiday? Yeah, yeah. So he is like the ex-boyfriend that's stringing Kate Winslet along from the first. I know, but he's like a really good guy in, in this show. Okay. So there's like a ton of big name actors. There's other ones too, but I thought those ones were probably the most recognizable. No, those ones are worth sharing. Now I kind of want to watch the show. I had no idea. So then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, dang. I'm like, just Haley Atwell alone, I need to watch this show. Yeah, I don't know. I think Eddie Redmayne is like reeling me in. I love him in everything I've ever seen him in. That's true. Have you seen him in Jupiter Ascending? Okay, that movie looked really dumb. So I I have, did not see that movie. <laughs> that movie is really dumb, but you can still watch it. Okay, maybe I'll check it out. I noticed it's on Netflix. Oh, perfect. Yeah, you're gonna... So Eddie Redmayne's character in that goes from like whispering to yelling quite frequently. So you're like turning it up to hear what he's saying and then suddenly it's blasting your ears out. So just be prepared for that. I'll be ready. I might just have the subtitles on. (laughs) That could work too. Avoid that conflict altogether. Fair, fair. (laughs) Back to books. Yes, okay. Let's bring it back around. If you could bring something from the book into our world, what would it be and why? I don't know that I would bring anything from this book into our world. That's fair. It's, I mean, it's pretty realistic in terms of like 1180. Right. I feel, and I don't, I don't have any particular desire to meet people from the medieval, no, probably the dark ages at that point, right before medieval times. Cause a lot of, a lot of dark stuff happens in this book. And I don't really feel like bringing that into 2020. No way. 2021. 2021. 2021 right now. It's May 2021. Oh, all right. Time is nothing. Time is is a construct. I don't know. Maybe Jack. Like the character Jack that Eddie Redmayne plays is pretty cool. And I think because he's so intelligent, he would enjoy seeing the innovations. Oh, sure. That's a good answer. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone in the book that you have a crush on? Um... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. Haley Atwell's character, Aliana. It's a very Shakespearean name and she just is so cool. She is a very strong female character, which by the way, side rant, there's only four female characters in this thousand page book. Like get your shit together. That's not okay. Granted, this was published in 1989 and it was a different time. I understand, but that's Still, like barely. <laughs> like our parents were I think my in their parents 20s. Like, met each other in 1989. Um, but yeah, 
So that's an issue I had with it. Another issue I had with it was all four of the female characters have bad things happen to them. Like they're all incredibly strong and they're like, most of them are on the good side, but like, I don't feel like you need to justify having a strong female character by putting them through a ton of shit. Like, mm-hmm. like that doesn't need to happen necessarily. They can just be strong to be strong. I agree. This is a male author, correct? Yes. I feel like this happens, I don't know, mostly in older books, but I, I, yeah. I can't find, I can't think of any specific examples, but male authors will put female characters through the ringer, but then they're still nice. They're still funny. They're still strong. There's mm-hmm. still all of these good qualities and Why can't, why do you have to put them through hell? Right. Like, why aren't you putting the guy characters through the same hell that you're putting the girl characters through? Like, let there be equality in that. Like, I don't care if there's still shit in the book. Like, just don't put it all on one or two characters. Agreed. So... That, that was really frustrating to me. I talked to my mom about it and she's like, oh, I didn't actually notice because she was she was more uh, thinking about all of the building parts of it because like that's what got her attention. Whereas for me, stuff that gets my attention is inequality between genders. So Right. Uh, but like hers is understandable because she's an industrial technologies teacher and yeah. so she teaches architecture, engineering and stuff. So um, do you see yourself? As any character of this book, in this book? No. (laughs) None. (laughs) Quick answer, nobody. No. (laughs) Hard pass. I don't want to see myself as any of these characters. Um, I enjoy the humanness of a lot of them, but I also don't want to be any of them. That's fair. Is there an antagonist or a bad guy, quote unquote, in this book? Oh my God. Oh my, yes. Okay. Okay. So there are people, there's like a small group of people I absolutely despise in this book. First being William of Hamley, who is just a straight up asshole. And I apologize if that offends anyone that's read this book, but I also don't because why do you like him? That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's the worst. And then there is a bishop the Bishop Wallerin in this book, he starts off really shady and then just gets worse as we keep going. Um, who else? Eliana's brother, actually, Richard, he started off really annoying, but has gotten like slightly better. Okay. But yeah, I think primarily anytime I'm reading about William, I'm just like wishing a cathedral would drop on him. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he is literally the worst. Yeah, okay, clearly you hate him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned that there is a TV show. Did you say that your mom has seen the show? I'm pretty sure she has. It's on Stars now, but I don't think it was always there. I mean, I guess it wouldn't make sense if it wasn't always there, but yeah, um, it's a mini series, and it's pretty all right. I watched like the first episode and the stuff that was included in the first episode keeps to the book pretty well. Not everything is there, but you know, not everything's going to have to be there. Well, at least it's kind of remaining accurate. Yeah. For the most part, I feel like, so I was thinking about it. I feel like if you read the book and watched the show, it would make a lot more sense. Okay. Like I feel that way too, though, about like Harry Potter I I don't know how people have watched Harry Potter without reading the books. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) 
you know? I'm not one of those people. So I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. Julia, any final thoughts you want to give us on this incredible book, Pillars of Earth? Pillars of the Earth is very long and very frustrating if you're a woman, but I think it might be worth the read if you have the patience for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Worth the read. If you were to give it like a starred rating out of 10, how many stars? (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, Well, I don't think I'm going to read it again. So I would probably give it a five or a six. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Pillars of the Earth. Thank you, Julia and Julia's mom (laughs) for sharing that book with us today. Thanks, mom. And what about you, Maggie? What is your mom's favorite book? Well, I would say on the opposite end of the mom book spectrum, my mom's favorite book is The Notebook by Ah! Nicholas Sparks. Oh my gosh. That's so much shorter. Um, So much shorter. It is literally 203 pages. I think I read it in a day and a half. I I don't think it took me much more than two hours to read. It was a very easy read. I've been reading this book for three weeks. I'm sorry. (laughs) My mom has a different taste in books. It's fine. It's fine. Maggie's mom, you are great. (laughs) Thank you for your choices. Thank you, Anne. All right. Okay. So the notebook for anyone here that doesn't know the notebook, do you have a summary you want to share? I sure do. And I am going to read a summary actually um, from this website called hatchetbookgroup.com because then I wanted to talk about my feelings on this summary. Mm, mm -hmm. Also, FYI, there are going to be spoilers about the notebook But if you haven't seen the movie by this point, where have you been? (laughs) Under a rock, I think. Or like actively choosing not to watch it. Right. You're making a choice and that's fine, but you're just going to have to deal with the spoilers or skip ahead. (laughs) Okay. Here's the summary of the notebook. Back in his small Southern town after serving in World War II, Noah Calhoun is restoring a plantation home and rebuilding his life. Yet 31-year-old Noah can't move forward when the past keeps pulling him back to the whirlwind summer he spent with socialite Allie Nelson a decade earlier. Now 29-year-old Allie returns to town and their electric attraction rekindles. But for their second chance at love to work, Allie and Noah will have to first work through their stormy past. Here's what I have to say about this. Mm -hmm. For the most part, technically, all of this is true. (laughs) Okay. Right? Noah did serve in World War II. I forgot about that. Did rebuild a home. Mm -hmm. He and Allie did have a whirlwind summer romance. However, the whirlwind summer romance is described in exactly three pages. You get three pages of this grand summer love in the book. And then you're just supposed to believe that these people are meant to be together for forever. And I mean, the way that they talk about each other is definitely beautiful. And you can tell that they held on to this love, but it's not like they're working through some stormy past. (laughs) I mean, in the movie, there's like 30 minutes of them as teenagers Mm -hmm. and their love for each other. a montage of them fighting with over them. Also, um... Hot take, no fighting in this book. Oh, no, no fighting. Maybe I misread it. Nicholas Sparks, (laughs) let me know. But everything they're saying to each other, he said gently. She whispered to him. They held hands. He's always reading her poetry. She's always talking about art. 
there's no fighting. They're like so nice to each other the entire time, the entire time. Nice. I know. And I'm like, who wrote the script for the movie? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They must've like completely misread it or they were going through their own marital problems and just put that into the script. That's possible. I didn't look and maybe I should have if Nicholas Sparks worked on the movie, like the notebook is his first book. Right. So maybe by the time the movie rolled around, he had some things that he wanted to add to like flesh out the plot a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's totally possible. But it is, I mean, part of the plot of the movie is that even though they fight so much, they're so passionately in love with each other. And in this book, I mean, there was no question to me that she was going to be with Noah because he's nice, he's sweet, he's charming. And they're madly in love. And he reads her poetry. He reads her poetry. And the guy that she's with, right? Because it's a bit of a love triangle. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, Allie and Noah were in love. And then she left after that summer. She never got the letters that he wrote to her because her mother had been hiding them. And That's in the movie. Or is that also in the book? That's also in the book. Okay. And um, she's engaged to this guy named Lon who in the movie is played by James Marsden. I love him. Me too. I think, honestly, maybe it was a casting error because why would you want to leave James Marsden? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. And in the movie, he's so sweet and charming and understanding. And in the book, you get, I think it's two chapters from his point of view. And Mm -hmm. he's kind of like, he loves Allie, but he's like a workaholic. He never sees her. She's often alone. He like fights for her to stay with him. So it's just like a different take, which was interesting. But I have to say it was confusing to read because I, I kept thinking it would be like the movie. Yeah, and it was not. How did your mom come across this book? You know, I actually don't know how she came <laughs> across this book. When I asked her her favorite book and why it was her favorite, this is what she said. I like most of the books Nicholas Sparks writes. I love a love story. I think it would either, her favorite would either be the notebook because I love that Noah loved and took care of Allie until the very end. Life may not always have been easy, but they were always together. Oh, I know. Um, And then I talked to her yesterday, briefly, when I finished the book and she's like, what did you think? And I was like, I think I actually like the movie more. (laughs) I like their relationship more in the book because it seems healthier. Mm -hmm. I think- Maybe in the 90s, we had kind of this obsession with like opposites attract. It's you can fight a lot, but you're just passionate for each other. 90s all the way to now. Like (laughs) that's still something. Maybe it's true. I'm not like a relationship expert, but I like it when people are nice to each other. I do too. It is incredibly healthy. (laughs) Yes. Like you Um, don't need to air your grievances in front of everyone else. If you have grievances, like. Exactly. Yeah. So I like the relationship more in the book. I enjoyed the movie more. I think it's because I saw the movie first before I read the book. And I think my mom did see the movie before she read the book. So when you were reading the book, did you picture the movie actors as the characters or were you able to split that? Um, I did automatically picture them. Rachel McAdams is perfect as Allie. She's like perfectly described. I think she did such a good job at like capturing that character. 
Um, maybe it's a hot take. You guys don't hate me. I think Ryan Gosling did such a good job as like teenage Noah and as like, I don't know, sassy Noah when he's like yelling at her, you know, like, what do you want? What do you want? That classic Mm -hmm. scene where he's yelling at her. But the part of him that's this like nature man building houses and canoes and reading poetry, I just... I don't see it as Ryan Gosling. I don't, I don't, I don't know why I've watched the movie and I think he does such a good job as that character. But when I was reading it, I was like, Ryan Gosling, is this you? (laughs) But I love him in the movie. Obviously I'm not a casting director and clearly that's for the best because he did a good job, but I did not, it wouldn't have been my first choice. Well, they also didn't really have any of like the poetry reading in the movie either. So we didn't have to picture that. We didn't have to picture him as also true. As someone also there. very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your mom really likes most of Nicholas Sparks books. What yes. was your response when she told you this was her favorite book? It was mostly like a, of course, <laughs> of course. I mean, I don't know why I would have ever thought anything different. Every time the notebook is on TV, she stops to watch it, even though we own the DVD. <laughs> Like she'll sit through the commercials and rewatch the notebook. Oh, she loves it so much. So, I mean, it tracks. It just makes sense to me that this is her favorite book. Nice. I'm, I'm glad it didn't come as a surprise to you. No, definitely not. Especially as I mentioned, my mom likes to know the ending of things. So like a simple Nicholas Sparks love story. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. Yeah. It's got a recipe. You follow the recipe You have it at the end. It's baked in a nice little lovely basket of cookies. You get it. You understand. Uh Yes, I do. Did she tell you if she had any favorite parts in it? Do you have any favorite parts in it? She really loves that they like stuck with each other, Mm -hmm. um, that he followed her to the nursing home. And even though she has Alzheimer's, he reads to her every day and he works to show her that he still loves her. I have a favorite line from the book that Noah says to Allie because I thought it was very relevant for everybody. I think it's really good advice. Um, And he says to her, you can't live your life for other people. You've got to do what's right for you, even if it hurts some of the people that you love. I thought that that was really good advice. That is really good advice. Got to follow your heart, you guys. Mm -hmm. Noah Calhoun. (laughs) Yes. You know, we're just dropping nuggets of wisdom all over the place. So many hot takes today. Seriously. Well, cool. That's a nice one. If you, this is like a really realistic fiction. So is there anything from the book that you would want to bring into your world? I mean, like the costumes. Um, I love period costumes. I want all of Allie's outfits. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really it. <laughs> It's very realistic. That's fair. That's coming back in. Do you have a crush on anyone in the book? I definitely have a crush on Ryan Gosling and James Marsden and Mm -hmm. Rachel McAdams. Yes. That is one good looking cast. It really is. Yeah. If I hadn't seen the movie, I don't think I would have a crush really on the characters. Okay. They're not, none of them are really people that I would go for. Are any of them like... Is Lon kind of the bad guy of this? Is there a bad guy? I think both Lon and Allie's mom would be considered antagonists because her mom does hide the letters 
that Noah wrote to Allie. Yeah. And he wrote her, I mean, every day for a year or something ridiculous. He wrote her so many letters and she right. hid all of them from Allie. And then she does eventually come back and say, you have to make the choice that's right for you and gives her the letters, which I think is nice, but she definitely did screw them over for 10 years. Yeah. That's no bueno, mom. Yeah. And then Lon is less of an antagonist and more just naively in the way. He's mm-hmm. not doing anything <laughs> wrong. You know, right. he's just not like in intentionally. Right. He's just in the way of their relationship. He's not trying to be. Right. So, okay. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a very sweet story. It's there's no really big antagonist. There's no really big like plot movement either like what's going to happen it really is like a sweet southern romance you know they're going to be together but it's still nice to read yeah and i mean that's kind of the recipe for tom uh not tom for nicholas sparks books like absolutely i think probably as he continued to write there got to be larger like obstacles for the lovers yeah but this one being his first one, you know, you're learning. It definitely gets better. I've read a few Nicholas Sparks books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll read them to you. Per- oh, you have a list. I have a list of the ones that I've read. Do so, you know, wait, do you know how many he has written? He has written 22 books. Oh, dang. Okay. I know. And most of them, if not all of them, take place in North Carolina. Huh. Is he from North Carolina? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm assuming. <laughs> Okay, tell us which ones you've read out of the 22 he has. I've read The Notebook, obviously, A Walk to Remember, Dear John, The Lucky One, The Last Song, Safe Haven, and The Best of Me. Okay, so seven, that's not bad. It's a decent amount. I definitely went through a phase. Mm -hmm. My personal favorite, if you guys really want to know, I love The Last Song and I love Safe Haven. Safe Haven is really good. Like it's really good. Oh, that's what kicked off me like cutting my hair super short at one no way. Like I think in college I cut my hair pretty short and then grew it out again and then later cut it short again. And now it's, you know, what it is. But like Julianne Hoff with her short blonde hair, so cute. So cute. That that is a really good one. That one is very intense, mm-hmm. kind of a thriller, plot driven. The last song I read, I think, when I was 16, and it's about a teenager, so it was just very relatable for me. It also kicked off the infamous Miley Cyrus-Liam Hemsworth relationship. Oh, man. Ups and downs. So are they, they're not together anymore, are they? I don't think so. I think they officially called it off. But then they called it off. It's happened so many times. I literally don't know. I, I can't keep up. It's for the best if they remain separate. Yeah, probably. Though, I don't know. I mean, Liam Hemsworth is Australian, so he should be able to handle literally anything. Like, if you have spiders the size of of dogs in your backyard, like, a, a slightly intense relationship shouldn't be too hard, right? I, or, or are those two very different things? They're very different. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that they're very different. <laughs> Taking care of spiders and dealing with romance. Not the same. But if you're in a romance and you take care of the spiders, that's not a different thing. That Then that's the same. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, 
I'm going to say I recommend The Notebook. If you want a nice, sweet little love story, check it out. If you love Nicholas Sparks and you haven't read Safe Haven or The Last Song, those are my recommendations for you for Nicholas Sparks. In lieu of a book similar to The Notebook, my all-time favorite romance is Me Before You. I love that book. We will post it on our Instagram. It is a wonderful movie as well with Sam Claflin and Amelia Clark. Yes. I haven't actually seen it. Was that the one where he has insomnia? Not insomnia. He's in a wheelchair. Oh. And that is really just a story about loving someone for who they are. All the flaws, all the good things, all the bad things. It is a beautiful love story. I could cry thinking about it. It's really good, you guys. That's my recommendation. If you like The Notebook, you will like me before you. Nice. And I mean, if you've read Pillars of the Earth and don't want to read it again, but want something similar, my suggestion would probably be A Game of Thrones. It's about as long and has still a lot of people in it and a lot of war. I know it reminded me of A Game of Thrones. Have you read Game of Thrones? Mm -hmm. I just bought the books. I'm excited to dig in. Have you watched Game of Thrones? Of course. All right, then. Um, At the end, do we need to talk about We are at the end. So we wanted to talk to you guys a little bit more about our Patreon. We've been getting some questions about it. So we just wanted to take a moment to kind of dig in, talk more about the Patreon and also our goals for our Patreon. Mm -hmm. I'll kind of Mm -hmm. kick it off. Our Patreon, there is a link via our Instagram as well as There's a link in our bio. If you want to check our podcast bio, there is a link to our Patreon there. There are four different tiers. Um, So it's $3, $5, $10, or $20 a month. And you get access to more content from me and Julia. That includes a monthly Q&A session where we answer your questions, um, a monthly mini episode where we talk about the books that we're currently reading, book notes, The notes that we take are sections that we underline in the books that we talk about here on the podcast. And lastly, there is some merch. So you get a sticker, a poster, a t-shirt, depending what tier you are a part of. And for those of you who are a part of our exclusive $20 tier, you're put into a little drawing to win one of the books that we talk about here on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yep. We pick that drawing at the end of each month and then we'll contact you guys and let you know. And uh, if you do sign up for Patreon, it does automatically ask for your address. And so we'll just use that from whatever address you put into it. And Julia, do you want to explain some of our financial goals for those of you who are interested in maybe being a part of our Patreon and supporting us? Absolutely. So right now we are actually super close to just covering the monthly cost of putting on this podcast, which is super exciting. I think we only, if we have like 10 more dollars, we will reach the threshold where Maggie and I no longer have to personally finance this podcast, which is super amazing. So that would be a great goal to have that. And then anything that goes above and beyond that, one can help us, you know, purchase the used books. So then we can write in them and send them out and and do it like that way. And also the big goal of the entire thing, if you haven't heard of this, 
Airbnb, your mind is about to be blown. There is an Airbnb in Wigtown, Scotland called The Open Book. And what's really special about this Airbnb is that it is a volunteer-run bookstore where if people stay at the Airbnb for like one or two weeks, they get to help run the bookstore. So they get to have like that whole bookshop owner experience without actually owning a bookshop, but still like get the vibe of doing that. And that is our biggest goal for Patreon is like our first big thing. If we make enough to spend a week or two in Scotland doing this bookshop, obviously we will have tons of fun, extra bonus material and, and everything. And it would just be so cool. It's a dream, you guys. So check us out on Patreon. You could be spending what you spend on a coffee. Instead of a coffee, it's going to a good cause. Yeah, it's super cool. Check it out, you guys. Quite frankly, the more downloads we get, the more money we get, the more opportunities we have for merchandise and all that wonderful jazz. Yeah, it would be so fun to have stickers and coffee cups and a t-shirt. Um So if you're someone that does that, feel free to hook us up. That's right. Well, with that, I am so happy to be closing out this really happy little episode. It was super fun to talk about our mom's favorite books. As always, you guys, hit us up on our email at novelfindspodcast at gmail.com. If you find us on Instagram or want to find us and follow us, we are at Novel Finds Podcast and we have tons of fun stuff on there. Also, big news, there is a super fun extra special episode next week. You don't have to wait two weeks for another episode. Yay! We are sitting down with Uncharted Bookstore here in Chicago, Illinois, We loved getting to chat with them. We cannot wait for you guys to hear the conversation. So we will see you all in one week. Oh my gosh. Bye. Bye. Bye.